The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In yesterday's message, we began dealing with a couple of objections that are often raised against the doctrine of election. We primarily dealt with the fairness objection, which Paul dispenses with by reminding us that God is always fair and righteous. When you say it wouldn't be right for God to do anything, you're misunderstanding the power of God and also the nature of God that he is completely righteous. Not only is he righteous by nature, he's righteous in every act that he does. But we began also looking at what I call the absolutism objection. This objection basically says that if election is true, then that means we're all puppets doing exactly what God wants all the time, including when we sin, and therefore it's not right for God to find fault. The foundation of this objection, however, that is the absolute predestination of all things, is clearly refuted by Scripture and therefore the objection itself fails. Today, we continue looking at this objection and how Paul answers it. The purpose of Paul's writing, and indeed of these messages, is for us to be able to answer these objections from the Bible, and for us to understand that God, in his electing grace, is showing mercy. The doctrine of election is the most compassionate and merciful and sweet doctrine that there is. And that's what Paul is telling us in Romans 9. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Okay, let's, let's talk about this absolutism objection. I said already, he says, he says um, why does he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Isn't everything that's happening, happening according to the will of God? God's causing you, like Pharaoh, to act in this way so he can get glory out of you. Well, it's interesting that the first answer, again, is the same first answer that he gave to the other objection. Hey, I'm God, and I get to do what I want. <laughs> Just like my daddy said, hey, I'm your daddy. <laughs> I'm your daddy. Do what I say. Notice what he says. Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? <laughs> you know, I, I just want to give you a little rule of thumb that will help you every day in life. It's helped me every day when I think of it. Just remember this. If you, you, get to, you get to struggling in life. You get to having problems in life, you get to struggling with yourself, you get to thinking, maybe you get to thinking you're being put upon and people aren't treating you right and all that. Just remember this. He is God and you are not. <laughs> you know, that's a good thing to remember, isn't it? I, I have to remind myself that He is God and I am not. Things don't just work out for me in this life. You know, I saw a movie one time, that Jim Carrey was in it, where he became God, you know, as a fictional movie and not a real good movie really but uh, but he became God got had God's power supposedly for a while and he got on the street where the cars were backed up there was just a there was a traffic jam it was awful and you know you've been in those I've you know we don't have to fool with them too much around here but when I go to Montgomery I try to leave by four o'clock or or else I wait till six o'clock because I don't want to get tied up in all that mess of traffic and I hate driving in Atlanta you know but old Jim Carrey in that movie, he, was, he had those powers. He was able to, he got in the traffic jam and he looked up there and he did this. Zoop, and they all just disappeared, you know, because he was able to do what God could do. And he just cleared a path, you know. Well, that's a fictional movie and I don't advise you watching it, but I'll tell you this. You're not God. <laughs> I'm not God. Things just don't work out for us here. And we need to rely on God when we have questions about things. And when we read things like the doctrine of election, even if we don't understand it, God says, listen, you're the created thing. I'm the creator. You're, I'm the potter. You're the clay. And I've never seen a pot yet say to the potter, hey, I didn't like what you did with me. <laughs> Have you? I mean, I haven't seen that yet. He says, shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Notice this. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? <laughs> you see... And by the way, remember the context here. He's talking to us about Jacob and Esau. Jacob, who represents the children of God, and Esau, who represents those who are not the children of God, they had the same father. I believe that's a particular reference to that. Out of the same lump, out of the same father Isaac, he was able to make, he had the right to make one vessel of honor and another to dishonor. Okay? So, so the first question is, uh, the first answer, rather, to that objection is, who are you to question God? Who are you? You're the pot. He's the potter. You're the clay. Remember Job 38? Job, I'm God. You're not. Where were you when I was creating things? You can't answer, can you, old boy, because you weren't there. <laughs> you weren't there. And, and, and let me just, let me, maybe, I don't know if this is the appropriate time or fits right in or not, but I just want to throw this out here to you. The absolute, complete answer to all of these objections is this. Ask yourself, is there one person in hell who does not deserve to be there? Is there one person in hell who doesn't deserve to be there? Isn't it true that in fact you and I deserve to be there? See, 
if there's, now if there's somebody in hell that didn't deserve to be there, then God would be unrighteous, okay? But you see, there's no one in hell that doesn't deserve to be there. In fact, you and I deserve to be there. So, all right, continuing on in answering this objection. Remember, the first question, I mean, the first answer to this objection is, who are you to question God? He's the potter, you're the clay. The clay doesn't get to object, okay? But notice, again, our God, like my father, and he's much greater than my father, went on to, goes on to explain to us a little more about the doctrine of election and how to answer this objection. Verse 22, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory? See, here's the, the second part of that answer to that objection. It's that we are not believers in the absolute predestination of all things. See, a true absoluter believes that all things, including sin, is predestinated by God. There's even a, a, a great number of people, I believe, who believe that Adam's sin in the garden was predestinated by God. That God caused that Adam to do what he did so that he might then later show his glory upon, upon Adam. And, 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 beloved, I just want to say to you, we do not believe that at this church. I do, not, I do not believe the Bible teaches that. See, if Adam did what God wanted him to do, wouldn't he have been being obedient to God? You turn back over to Romans chapter 5. Well, let's just turn back over there. Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. And by the way, if you're looking for a verse that will knock the foundation out from under absolutism and knock the foundation out from under Arminianism, which says that we have freedom of will, this is the verse right here, if you're looking for just one verse. Notice in verse 19, he says, By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. He's talking about Adam. If Adam did what God predestinated him to do, he was being obedient, right? <laughs> he was being obedient. But you see, we're told here it was disobedience. Disobedience cannot be obedience, and obedience cannot be disobedience. They just don't work together. So you see, Adam... Adam's really the only person who ever had true freedom of the will. <laughs> and he was our, we're going to get to that in our Articles of Faith, he was our federal head representative. He was the perfect representative for us, by the way. God could not have created anybody better to represent the human race that, 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 uh, that was not the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about him being perfect like Jesus, but he was the perfect representative of men. You see, and what did he do? He chose to go against God's word. And by his disobedience, many were made sinners. But notice verse, the, the rest of that verse. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. I don't see two in there. I don't see two or three in there. I don't see one man plus you. I don't see Jesus plus the sinner. I see by one man's obedience shall many be made righteous. I could get off on that, but I'm not this morning. But just understand that that knocks the foundation out of both of those, those questions. We are not absoluters. And this, this objection gets predestination mixed up with the actions and decisions that we make. And as I said again and over and over and over again, we are not absoluters. In other words, this objection is saying, well, we're all puppets if election is true. And therefore, God's unjust to find fault with anybody since he's manipulating them like a puppet master manipulates a puppet. Let's go back and talk about Pharaoh for a minute. 
Verse 17, the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. And he goes on to talk about hardening Pharaoh. Now I want to ask you a question. Did God make Pharaoh commit those heinous sins that he committed over there? And the answer is absolutely not. God did not make him do what he did. He just left him alone to do what God knew he would do by nature. Did you know that if God left you alone, there wouldn't be a dime's bit of difference between you and Pharaoh? You might just not have the power to do what you want. But do you realize that in nature, there's no difference between us and a Pharaoh or a Hitler or any other wicked person you can name throughout time? You see, God is omnipotent and omniscient, and he is able to do what he did without causing Pharaoh to commit sin. Over in uh, Psalm 76 and verse 10, notice what he says here in Psalm 76 and verse 10. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Now notice what he's saying, he's talking about the wrath of man. He said the wrath of, what, so is God causing the wrath of man? James chapter 1 and verse 20 says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That tells me God, who is all righteous, completely right in everything he does, he's not manipulating, he's not causing wrath. He's not causing the wrath of man, but I tell you what he is doing, beloved. He's overruling it and providentially turning it for his glory. That's how he dealt with Pharaoh. Where did the wrath of man, where did, where did Pharaoh's wrath come from? I, you don't have to turn there, but sometime look over in Mark chapter 7 and verse 21 through 23 where he talks about where Jesus says from out of the heart proceed evil thoughts and adulteries, fornications, murders, all the things that Pharaoh did, they proceeded out of his heart. They come from within, Jesus said. They come from the heart of man. Over in Genesis, the sixth chapter, when he was talking about uh, the condition the world had gotten in before the flood, uh, he makes the statement over there that all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Beloved, notice there that flesh had corrupted his own way. God didn't corrupt his way. Flesh had corrupted his own way. We've, we've gone here before, but notice with me over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. You want to know what you are by nature? You want to say, well, wait a minute, I'm some kind of, I'm a pretty good old person. I'm a pretty good old boy by nature. I'm a pretty good person, and, uh, and, and, and it just wouldn't be right for God to do this. Notice what you are by nature. Chapter 2 and verse 1. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. You were dead by nature. But notice it manifests itself in some ways. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our lifestyle in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Does that not perfectly describe Pharaoh? Doesn't that sound just like what Pharaoh did? What did Pharaoh do? Oh, you can go. No, you can't. Oh, yeah, you can take them out, but I'm going to change the conditions. And then when he finally did let them go, he basically lied to them, a covenant breaker, an oath breaker, and he goes after them with his armies. See, Pharaoh was a murderer. He was uh, fulfilling the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and was by nature. And in fact, I believe he was a child of wrath. You see, Pharaoh was not some neutral character. 
I know I've said this before, but it, it seems to get the point across, at least to me. Think about a desert, okay? Think about a, a desert. A desert is a desert not by the action of nature, but by nature's inaction. How do you get a desert? By not having rain, right? The rain is withheld. And that place where the rain is withheld is a desert, which would be the natural state of all geographic locations apart from rain. See, that's what Pharaoh was. He was just a spiritual desert. God didn't do him any harm. He didn't do him any injustice. He just withheld his restraining hand. He withheld his mercy. And Pharaoh acted according to his nature. Remember in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23 when he says that by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, Christ was delivered. And it says that, that yet that they had taken and by wicked hands crucified and, slay, and slew him. See, God left men to themselves in order that the crucifixion would be accomplished. He did not predestinate them to do it. He did not cause them to do it. And thus God knew that if he left Pharaoh alone, what Pharaoh would do. And he didn't cause him to do it. Over in Romans, the third chapter, just turn with me just for a minute there as we try to bring this to a close. I've said this already, but I want to prove it by Scripture. We're not a people that want to do better but can't because God won't let us. We're a people that by nature do not want to do better. In the third chapter in verse 9, notice what Paul writes here. What then are we better than they, speaking of Jews and Gentiles? No and no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's not one righteous out there. You know, one of the false explanations of election is that God looked down through time and saw whether you would choose him or not, or whether you would seek him or not, or whether you would come to him or not, and therefore, based on what you would do, he chose you. Based on whether you would choose him, he chose you or didn't choose you. Beloved, I'm so thankful that's not the correct explanation of election. First of all, the very language uh, dismisses that. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, he says, whom he did foreknow, not what. If he looked down and saw what you would do, then he would be, that should have said for what he foreknew. But it's whom he foreknew, an intimate foreknowledge of his people there. But he also tells us over in Psalm 14 that he did look down upon the, people, the children of men to see if there was any that did seek him. He said, they've all gone aside. There's none good, no, not one. See, God looking down through time does us no good. Apart from his mercy, we all reject him, you see. But here he says, there's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And he goes on to really indict us in a really bad way. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they've used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Her mouths are full of bitterness. Feet swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery in our ways. And the way of peace they have not known, and notice verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. I see that in the world today, don't you? But I'm sorry to say I even see it in myself. Not in that spiritual nature, but in that old Adam man. Now the old Adam man wants what he wants, and he wants it now. It doesn't matter who he hurts. It doesn't matter what God says. I've still got that lack of fear of God in my heart. But praise God, through the mercy 
of his electing grace. I also have another heart within me, a new heart, a new creature. And here in that part of me, I do fear God and I do know that he is God. So going back to Romans chapter 9, let's bring this to a close. Remember we read verses 22 and 23. He said, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory? Here in these two verses, Paul makes the distinction between vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy. And I said it over and over, and I'm going to say it again, because notice that God did not predestinate the non-elect to be reprobate. He just left them in their naturally fallen state. No double predestination. All God had to do to send the reprobate to hell was leave him alone. But notice in verse 23, he had to actively prepare the elect for glory. Notice in verse 22, he said, the vessels of wrath, that's a, I think what you'd call an intransitive verb, fitted to destruction. The vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. But notice that the vessels of glory, had, the vessels of mercy rather, had been of which he had afore prepared unto glory. He had to actively prepare his children for glory because they could not prepare themselves. Left alone, they were perfectly suited for hell. But it, had, it took the act of a loving, righteous, almighty God to prepare his children for glory. No one will ever be in hell who does not deserve it. But praise God, we who do not deserve it will be in heaven on the merits of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 24. In verse 24, Paul personalizes it. He says, even us. You ever, you ever just have your mind blown by thinking about how merciful God's been to you? I do. I sometimes sit around and think about all the bad things I've done, the bad thoughts I've thought, and I think, Lord, how can this be? Even me. You know, I, I've heard that song, I've heard that statement that he's a personal Savior. Praise God, he is a personal Savior. We need to understand, yes, he saved a multitude, a vast multitude that no man can number. He saved his people. Sometimes we think about it in terms of his people, like there's some mass of people over here. But, but remember this, as a preacher told me one time, I believe he'd have gone to Calvary and suffered all of the injustices and all the mocking and scourging and all the, uh, the separation from his very father that he suffered there if I'd have been the only one in the covenant of grace. Does that not blow our minds even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only but also of the Gentiles our God is a personal savior he didn't just save a people he saved his people and we're told over in 2 Timothy I believe it is that the foundation of God standeth sure the Lord knoweth them that are his and praise God if you're here this morning and you felt that tender touch of the Spirit of God, and your heart has been tendered to the things of God, that means you're one of His children. Don't ever let anybody tell you, well, that means that there's somebody out there that wants to go to heaven, would love to be in heaven in the halls of glory, loves the Lord, but he can't go because he wasn't chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Beloved, that person does not exist. He's a fictional character, the one that feels that love in his heart. 
That means his heart has been tendered by the mercy and grace of God. I trust that that's the way the Lord has dealt with us. And may the Lord continue to bless us to know and feel his presence. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.